0: Hello, is everyone here? Hey, guys. Um, well, welcome to this Worship Central workshop. If you're not here for that, um, might want to look in your program. But uh, we're going to be just looking at a few, um, just a couple different things on releasing creativity um, in our worship, in our lives, and um, and uh, just have a couple thoughts. Just want to kind of chat about and. Um, and if we have time, we'll have maybe some questions and stuff at the end. But um, why don't we pray as we start? go we just, first of all, want to say thank you so much for just the amazing gift of creativity. The the expression that you've given to us, um, that you, you breathed into us, Lord, and that we can kind of give back to you, Lord. And it's just such an amazing thing to... Um, create music and and songs and art and poetry and just, and just all of it just speak of your amazing name. And uh, so I pray that you just come and be with us in this place, inspire us, equip us, and um, we go from this place just knowing a little bit more of your heart. Amen. Um, So to start, we're going to read a verse from Exodus 31, verse 1 to 5. Exodus 31. If you got your Bibles, um, feel free to, uh, to to turn to it, or you can write it down. But it says this: The Lord said to Moses, "See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, and son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Holy Spirit, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze." to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. You know, great art has great power. You know, from a great piece of music that overwhelms us or moves us to tears, to a painting that fascinates us, you know, it fascinates the mind and our imagination. Or even a film that evokes a response and emotion so powerful that it leaves he's speechless. And you know, the world today is ablaze with explosions of creativity that inspire and captivate us. Whether it's through the visual arts, whether it's through music, through architecture, dance, paintings, or sculpture, you know, great art sets our hearts on something higher than ourselves. You know, God's creation inspired many of the psalms, you know, that we read in, in the book of Psalms. And, and one psalm in particular, Psalm 98, says this. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp and with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout to the Lord before the Lord. Shout, to the, sorry, shout for joy, not shout to the Lord. Shout for joy before the Lord. The king, let the sea resound, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, give praise. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. You know that psalm is just so rich and so powerful, and it resonates within us on a deep spiritual level and prompts a heart of worship in all of us today. You know, music has such an incredible power to move us, to shape our hearts, and draw us near to the infinite. You know, and it's a wonderful gift, and it has um, the power to transform people's lives. You know, this is a bit silly, but there's some interesting facts about music and how um, um, interesting and amazing it is. But did you know that most toilets will flush in the key of E flat? Did you not know that? Get out a metronome or a tuner and see what, what key comes out next time you're on the toilet. But it's actually quite true, actually. Apparently, most toilets were flush in the Kiwi e flat. And more impressively, it's been discovered that cows produce more milk when listening to music. And I've also found out that chickens lay more eggs when listening to pop music, which is a bit bizarre, isn't it? how that works, but th- this, is, this is true. And the last one actually is a, a scientific um, experiment where an American medical study um, looked at the impact of music across 8,000 premature baby wards. And you know, they, they kind of took some special music designed, you know, um, specially designed music was found to shorten the length of hospital stay for these tiny infants by an average of 12 days. So music is very powerful, and it can transform people's lives. And music is undeniably a powerful force. You know, Beethoven said this, music should strike fire from the heart of man and bring tears from the eyes of women. But nowadays, in our worship team, it usually seems that the men are the ones who are um, full of tears (laughs) in worship. But music does have an incredible ability to allow us to feel and connect with our emotions. You know, to express mysteries and ideas too deep for words. Martin Luther, you know, said this, Next to the Word of God, music deserves the highest praise. She is a mistress and a governess to those human emotions which control men or more often overtake them. Whether you wish to comfort the sad, to encourage the despairing, to humble the proud, to calm the passionate, or to appease those full of hate... What more effect means of a music could you find? Such a powerful statement by Martin Luther. You know, music is, it is, is, it's a universal language. You know, you can go anywhere. And and songs that we sing here today are being translated around the world. And and it's just incredible that, you know, no matter where you go, people are still singing the same songs, doing the same things. It's, It's a universal language, and people just catch on to it. But not just, you know, music Um, is, you know, powerful, but also art. You know, um, a Catholic priest um, and writer, Henry Nouwen, was profoundly impacted by the Rembrandt's painting, The Return of the Prodigal. And he said this, When I first saw Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal, my initial response to the father's embrace of his son told me that I was desperately searching for that inner place where I too could be held as safely as the young man in the painting. And through that great painting, Nguyen found an insight into the Father's love, you know, which changed him radically. He went on to spend much of his life caring for people with severe mental disabilities. So why is creativity so important? Well, first and foremost, it's because, well, really, it's because it's in God's nature. You know, he is the one who is the true artist. He created the heavens, he created the earth, you know, the skies and the seas and, and um, light, day, seasons, and all of us. You know, finally he made all of us out of his own image. And there's some amazing sort of things about the body. You know, it's, you, know you, see, you see in the Bible, he just says, you know, he breathes life. But actually, there are some sort of amazing sort of physical things. You know, the human ear can hear around 300,000 different tones. And our eyes can distinguish between eight million different colors. You know, we have been created to enjoy and respond to God's glorious creation. You know, St. Paul's Cathedral in London, you know, it remains one of London's more breathtaking landmarks today. And if you look throughout the cathedral, you'll find no memorial to its designer. Rather, in its place, there's an inscription over the north door saying, if you're looking for a memorial, look around you. Look around you at this beautiful masterpiece that was designed. And, you know, it's just incredible uh, um, testimony to to creation. And, um, you know, in the book of Romans, Paul writes about the evidence of God's creativity all around us. It says this in Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. And throughout the scriptures, we see God's creation, you know, is alive in song. From the morning stars that sing together, that's Job 38, verse 7. To the mountains and hills bursting in song, Isaiah 55, verse 12. From the seas that lift up their voice, Psalm 93, verse 3. To the rivers clapping their hands, again, Psalm 98, 4, verse 8. Music is God's creation. It is His idea. It's His gift for us to enjoy. You know, and also in God's creation, the cosmos, if you if listen to the cosmos, um, there's a great quote by Alistair McGrath, who writes um, this, this um, quote, it says, part of the purpose of the, of the creator that we should hear the music of the cosmos and through loving its harmonies come to love their composer. Every note, every beat, and every sound throughout creation reminds us that there is an infinite God who set the world into motion and who loves us. And you know, even our Father in heaven, you know, God is, he's, he's a singing God. He loves to sing over us. You know, um, it says uh, in Zephaniah 3 verse 17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. And even in Matthew's gospel, you know, when Jesus um, and his disciples had the Last Supper you know, they, um, they, it says in Paul's uh, letter to the Ephesians. Um, oh, sorry. Hang on. Matthew's God. I'm reading my notes here. I'm getting it wrong. In Matthew's God, we find Jesus singing a hymn after the disciples had shared the Lord's Supper. That was end of sentence. And the next thing is in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he urges his readers to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they may speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. There's another great story um, called The Magician's uh, Nephew, the great book by C.S. Lewis. And he describes Aslan singing over creation. This is such a great picture, again, of just how God sings over us. He says this. The lion was pacing to and fro about that empty land and was singing his new song. It was softer and more lifting than the song by which he called up the star and the sun. A gentle, rippling music. And as he walked and sang, the valley grew green with grass. He spread out from the line like a pool. It ran up the sides of the little hills like a wave. So the song of our Creator brings life, peace, and hope to all who hear it. You know, our creativity is most effective when the Spirit of God is poured out into our lives, when we're spirit-filled. And like that verse I read at the very beginning, you know, just as the Lord filled Bezalel with his spirit, allowing him to work with the skill of all kinds of crafts, so he takes our gifts, the things that he's given us, so he multiplies them and makes something profound and wonderful. The more we wait on him, long for his presence, and go from being filled up with the spirit, the more we find ourselves being creative and bursting into life. There's a guy in our church called Charlie Mackesy, and he's a, he's a really um, well-known artist. He's a painter. He travels around the world doing various uh, exhibits, and um, and uh, he's quite well-known for one of these um, um, pictures called The Protocol as well. And one time we asked him about, you know, why does he do what he, why he you know, why you do what you do, painting, and how have you done it, you know, for your whole life and as a career? And so he said this. When I when I was painting I became very aware of the Holy Spirit. It felt like he was encouraging me to paint things that expressed what I'd felt about him. I can't describe what I feel for Jesus, but my love for him is completely consuming. As a person, I'm restless. I'm fickle and get bored easily. There are only two things I've stuck at in my life, Jesus and my paintings. With Jesus, I know there is nowhere else to go. He is my hope, my focus, my horizon. He is wild. Throughout history, the church has been the cradle of great creativity. Aside from, you know, the visual arts and architecture, successive waves of musical innovation have come from the church. You know, and if you take two giants of the classical music world, Bach and Handel, you know, they both worked for the local churches, writing music to encourage the worship life of their communities. And you know, for us as the church, we need not to play just the second fiddle to the culture of this world. We need to be at the forefront of creativity. We need to be at the front, releasing creativity, allowing people in our churches to express their creativity, whether it's through music or through singing, through dance, through art. And a great thing about this you know, spring harvest. It 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 does. There's painting over there. We have dancers. We have music. There's just so many different ways of expressing great art, and we need to embrace that in our churches today. Um, there's a, another story. I was I was flicking through some um, uh, videos on YouTube, and I came across this one of Bono from this the um, band U two, and he um um I was I was looking up creativity and and sort of what you know creativity. Is and 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 somehow I came across this in, um, uh, interview with uh, Bono, and so you know it starts off. It's it's in a different language. You just you know they ask him these questions in I think it was Spanish or something, and and these you know the question is what what is creativity to you? And and Bono you know in his rock star sort of way starts sort of trying to come up with a real clever answer. You know he's like, well I think you know when we get together there's just something happens and you know and just trying to be real clever and, and and cool about it and and he's not really making sense and i'm kind of like this is not really getting anywhere and then at the very end after trying to sort of make up a clever answer he just says you know what at the end of the day true creativity to me is when god walks into the room when god walks into the room and i and i just thought flipping that that's just such a great expression of what real creativity is when god walks into the room and we start just creating and we just Go away thinking, what was that inspiration? Where did that come from? And I think that's just so true. You know, when God walks into the room, true creativity is expressed. But, you know, with creating and and being creative people, we need to pursue excellence. You know, these are the words of Hezekiah um, for the temple musicians. Children, don't drag your feet in this. God has chosen you to take your place before him to serve in conducting and leading worship. This is your life work. Make sure you do it and do it well. That's 2 Chronicles 29, verse 11. It's from the message as well. It's kind of a um, different version of it. But um, we have to do it well. We have to, you know, take the time to invest into it, pursue excellence. You know, there's a, there's a gardener who won the Chelsea flower show. And, um, you know, he was once asked, what is your secret? And he replied quickly, I aim for perfection And settle for excellence. I aim for perfection, and I settle for excellence. And you know, with creating and and in whatever way you do, you know it can be tempting to sort of rush the process of creativity. You know, we can be eager to um, finish off our masterpiece, but sometimes we can cut corners to sort of settle. But we must not settle for good. Good is awesome, or often sorry, it's not awesome. Good is often the enemy of great, and it's easy to get stuck in ruts or reproduce ideas or thoughts. They may be good, but they'll probably fall short of being great. So how can you escape the temptation to being good and to aim instead for greatness? I want to sort of express or suggest um, four steps to sort of help you express your creativity and to release creativity in new, fresh ways. So the first point is explore. Explore. You know, great artists, designers, wordsmiths, songwriters are prepared to explore, to inquire and question, to devote themselves to the process of creativity. A recent scientific study claimed that to discover uh, discover that in order to claim the title of genius, you know, a mere 10,000 hours of practice is, is required. Just, you know, 10,000 hours. And, and it actually, if you do, if you look back, you know, um, I read this uh, in a paper one time, and Bill Gates, you know, he would, instead of being out while I studied at university, he actually dropped out eventually, but he'd be in, in the sort of computer room, studying away, working hard, at producing software and all that sort of stuff. And they said he probably spent a good 10,000 hours. Of working, And so actually, this is it's quite true. I mean, it's so, it's so important to put in the hours. And it's so easy, you know, when living busy lives, we're full of responsibilities, family, work, school, studying. You know, time seems to be in short supply. But to see a release of exceptional art, we need to devote ourselves to the procedure of exploration. You know, many of us know uh, Graham Kendrick. Um, if, and if you look at his lyrics, a lot of his lyrics are just so full of great depth and, and great poetry. And that is, you know, a, really a, a result of great dedication to study and explore. You know, there's one song, No Scenes to Stately Majesty, explores God's creator. And, you know, he, Graham wrote this song, um, and he was uh, sort of want to kind of get some fresh expressions of creativity, and, and in particular, the, sort of the stars and the cosmos. And so he was did a lot of research, and, and um, he he found this uh, saying, or he found a collection, sorry, of, of stars called a jeweled cluster. A jeweled cluster. And out of that discovery, this line um, for song, that song was uh, birthed. And it says, As stars and stars in jeweled clusters say, worship heaven's king. It says, and stars in jeweled clusters say, worship heaven's king. You know, and that's such a fresh and inspired lyric that was fueled by just hard work, dedication, and inspiration. And so we need to set aside time to explore these ideas. You know, it's a discipline, and it's an essential part of the creative process. Writing a good song is kind of like brewing a great cup of tea. Um, Being Canadian, I've learned that making the perfect cup of tea is one of Britain's, probably one of, well, not the only one, but one of Britain's greatest achievements. <laughs> I think uh, you know, there's a real sort of art to doing it. And when I first moved over here, I I I was asked to make a cup of tea for my housemate, and I brought it to him, and he was just disgusted at the taste of this cup of tea. And so I had to go back, and he's like, All right, I'm gonna show you how to do this. And so he sort of started to teach me. So he gave me these steps. He said, Step one, find a great tea bag, which is also important. Step two, you add water. And you wait for the tea to brew. And then you wait. And then you wait. And you wait some more. <laughs> because so often we can rush the process and end up with tea that is watery and tasteless and just doesn't taste good at all. But when you wait long enough for the tea to brew, you'll end up with the perfect cup of tea. And I have gotten better, I must say. Um, if you want a cup of tea later, I'll, I'll uh, show you how it's done. But, um, you know... A, I think, you know, it's such a great example of how to sort of, you know, the creative process works is, you know, we, we sort of get a great idea for a song or or a, a, a piece of art and you start writing out the idea, but then the key is to sort of wait on that and sort of chew it over and just let it, let the idea sort of ferment in a way. And, and like this this example, let let it brew and then sort of, um, you know, I, you know for, for a lot of my songs, I'll, I'll sort of take an idea, I'll have it like, I'll have a... A line or something, and I'll just sort of have that going around in my head. And what is this, this sort of line or what is this trying to say? And so it's so important this process of just waiting for that perfect time and putting in the work. Uh, point number two is express. You know, creativity must be real, it must be honest, and it must be raw. Once we explore the meaning that surrounds our basic ideas, the time comes for passionate expression. The Celts had this phrase, knowledge is dangerous unless it goes through the heart. Say it again. Knowledge is dangerous unless it goes through the heart. You know, in songwriting, there is a danger of trying to create without allowing our hearts to feel. We try to communicate what we think others want to hear. We we might follow trends, stick to familiar formula and pattern that works. But that really isn't true creativity being released. It's creativity being restrictive. You know, great creativity comes from tension and from desperation. You know, there's a great song um, I've used as, as an example called How He Loves. And um, I, have, I had a video of this, but I, I lost it when I got a new laptop. And, um, but basically, the, um, this, the writer is called um, John Mark McMillan. And, um, and, you know, I didn't really know the, the sort of gist of the song, but, you know, there's incredible lyrics. And, and there's, a, there's this one video of him sort of explaining how he wrote this song. And um, basically, he wrote this song after his best friend um, died in a car accident, a tragic sort of car accident. And, and, and John was just absolutely devastated. You know, he just, just you know, was his best friend. He was just couldn't believe why God would allow this thing to happen. And, you know, out of that sort of, out of that pain, out of that sense of loss, he wrote this song. And the words go like this. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am aware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves us. And then verse 2, he is our portion, he is our prize. Drawn to redemption with grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, then we're all sinking. And it keeps going on. So heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. And John, you know, he goes on to say, I didn't write this as a worship song. This wasn't actually a worship song. This was a song out of expression of what happened to my, my friend, Steve. But out of that place, out of that desperation, that longing, came this song of just truth and just wanting to know the Father's love and that he does love us no matter what what, what we go through. You know, I love that line of if grace is a notion, then we're all sinking. You know, and King David is another great example. You know, um, King David, you know, there's you know, a great story. Well, not a great story. It's a terrible story. You know, when he sinned, basically, you know, he sinned uh, against the Lord, and he had an affair with Bathsheba. And um, when he found out that she was pregnant, you know, he, he tried to cover his tracks by having uh, her husband killed. And um, when David was finally confronted by the prophet Nathan, you know, David finally kind of came around and was convicted by his sin. And out of that whole experience, he wrote this psalm, which is Psalm 51. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You see, David wasn't trying to sort of write a song on purity because, you know, there's a real need for purity. You know, um, he was actually writing the song, out of desperation, because he was sorry for what he did. And he just wanted to express that out of, out of, you know, out of his heart. And so out of that came this amazing psalm of, uh, of forgiveness. And, then, and I have a quick example for me as well. I I um, wrote a song a few years back. And someone came to me and said, you know, um, Ben, you know, we just need a few more songs um, more intimate songs, you know we have a lot of songs which proclaiming who God is, you know how great is he, how amazing he is, how wonderful, you know all this sort of stuff which is which is great, and, and we need these songs, but we just need a few more songs just to tell them you know that we we love him and and we just need some more songs of intimacy basically so i you know I went away and and just you know had this idea in my head and just more songs of intimacy so i I wrote this song and and to be honest. It's not one of my f- most proudest songs I've ever written because I really, you know, looking back at it, I've, I've you know, it's been amazing because, you know, we've been singing it and, and people, you know, have been using it around, you know, the churches, of the, you know, the world. And, um, but it, it, if I'm honest, because I didn't write it out of a place where I was at with God, it, it felt like it was a bit contrived and it felt like it wasn't sort of, you know, my own heart and i and i kind of regret it in a way i mean it's it's amazing through you know god's grace he still uses us and he uses that song and but actually it's probably not my my most sort of proudest song i, I would say because i didn't write it from within you know and i think as songwriters as, as artists we need to write from what's going on inside of us what's coming out of us so make sure you write you know your songs with authenticity and being real Number three, point number three is experiment. You know, if we don't think outside the box and try, you know, new ideas, then we'll never truly develop our work. You know, as songwriters, try writing in different ways. You know, if you, if you write from a guitar, you know, try and write from a piano or try and learn a new instrument that you never necessarily may have never played before because sometimes that can spark new expressions of creativity. And, you know, it's also great to experiment in your services. Obviously, you know, with permission from your pastors or your leaders or vicars. Um, that's a very important thing. Sometimes they might have other ideas. But it's, it, but if, 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 if you're on the same page as your pastors or vicars or whatever, your leaders, you know, there's a great way to explore creativity within your services. Um, a great example of, for this would be um, um, when I was... Um, at Soul Survivor in Watford, um, working with Mike Pilevacci, we we one time decided to sort of change the service around on, on its head and sort of do something different. Has anyone seen the the, um, the Broadway show? Well, you know, it's, I guess it's a Broadway show, but called Stomp. You know, or have heard of it. Does anyone know it? Yeah, great. It's a great, it's a fantastic show. It's basically all based around rhythm. And, and these guys and girls, they kind of use various household things you know kitchens sinks they literally just pull out these massive sinks and they start hitting them and basketballs and you know rubbish cans and all sorts of things that you don't think actually are, you know a packet of um of a uh, deck like a deck of cards i was trying to say you know they, they literally take a deck of cards and make this incredible sort of rhythm and beat and just you know you can't help moving. we went and saw this and came back thinking oh we got to do this somehow in church and uh, I didn't know how we were going to do it. But Mike and I, we went to B&Q, and we went and bought a bunch of trash cans, bought a bunch of just, we went to a car um, sort of wreckage place, bought like a, a bonnet, a car bonnet, and just random things. And we kind of, you know, went and set them up with some of our drummers in the church. And then this Sunday came, and we, um, you know, the sort of lights went down, and all of a sudden this rhythm started to started to happen. What we did was we put various percussion people like in, other parts of corners of the church, and nobody knew that they were there. They're just sort of, you know, they didn't sort of they pretended like nothing was happening. But then all of a sudden, this rhythm began to start up, and everyone just started looking around like, "What's going on? This is not church." But it just it was, it was it was the most amazing moment because people just started thinking, "Oh my goodness, what is this?" And 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 literally, you should like the the expression of people's worship that day. I mean, I tell you, it just it went to a whole new level. And at first, yeah, it was a bit sort of awkward, and people may not have gotten it. But then, as as we went on through the time of worship, it just really opened up something new and prophetic. And um, and so it really worked well. So it's it, a great way of, um, of expressing creativity and experimenting is in your church services. And, you know, another thing that we, we will do sometimes is have what we call prophetic jam, which is sort of a time for our musicians to sort of, um, sort of, hang out and, and basically play. We open it up to, you know, the people of our church or, you know, our congregation and our community and, and just say, you know, we're going to have a time of worship. If you want to come and, and uh, just worship, you know, you're more than welcome to join us. And, and basically, we just sort of set up and play and, and we don't really go in with any songs. We just sort of maybe have one or two songs prepared but then we just sort of open it up to, to, to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit and just allow the prophetic to flow and, and you know, and just try and you know allow for creativity to be expressed in new ways, and out of those times, a lot of great ideas have come for songs, um, different ways of of starting a song, you know um, new intros and stuff like that, just because of experimenting and, and allowing that time uh, It's so good to do and then so yeah, we need to experiment in our worship, and then number four and the last one is evaluate you know someone once said. Of creativity that is 10 percent inspiration and 90 percent perspiration. You know if this is the case, then our commitment to hard work is essential. You know, the first draft of a song will invariably need to undergo a rigorous process of editing um, process of editing, developing and tweaking before it can be considered a finished work. You know this is what we call evaluation, and it can be a painful process, but it's so impar- important. We must be prepared to ask the tough questions of our work, to acknowledge and weed out its weaker elements. And we have to be ruthless with ourselves and with our songs. And um, so I'm going to give you an example of a song that I've written recently. And just sort of the, the sort of process I went through this song. Um, it's called Savior of the World. And I did introduce it last night. And, um, but basically, I had this idea of, savior of the world i had the the phrase but i didn't know how to come about you know the song or the idea and so i I was working on it and working on it and working and finally i felt like i had this idea for the course and um and so i i started working on it and and you know trying to develop it and actually i'm going to go to my guitar real quick and i'll show you give you a demonstration so Hello. There we go. So I started working on this song. And, um, and so this, I had the idea of Savior of the World. And, and at first I thought, well, this could be my, maybe a great sort of setup to a chorus. Um, and so I thought, well, I could hear it being, I would just play around with it. And um, I thought it could be like
1: a pre-chorus. He's the um, um. Savior of the World. He's the Savior of the world.
0: I thought, oh, that could be quite cool, and then go into this big sort of chorus. But I thought, actually, that's such a big statement. It has to sort of be the theme of the song. And so um, when we were on tour of Worship Central, we were traveling around the country, and I just got a guitar, and all of a sudden I started playing this progression.
1: He's the Savior of the world. I was like, oh, that's a bit more of a hook, maybe. And so, and literally started playing through in the choruses. For He made us a way by which we have been saved. He's the Savior of the world. So we lift up a shout for His fame and renown. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Jesus, Savior of the world,
0: and I had that chorus, and I thought, okay, I've got something. Now the verses—where do I start? How do I begin to start describing the Savior of the world? And so I played this to some friends, and and they just said, well, you know, this sort of reminds me of you know John three sixteen, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. I thought, man, that is such a great sort of starting point. You know, why He came and why He did what He did. You know, he sent his son. And so the first two um, verses were quite simple. And the, the verses: um, God so loved that he gave his son to lay down his life for the sake of us. He bore the weight of our sin and shame. Um, with a cry he said, it is finished. And so that, was, that made sense sort of to set up, you know, who Jesus was, why he came, and, and why God sent his son to do what he did. And then um, v- but the tricky part was verse two, and I just didn't know where to go with it. And um, so I, I started playing around with some different verse ideas. and um, so this is my first initial idea, lyrically was um uh, if I can remember it now. <laughs> um, it'll come to me)
1: Oh, yeah. The world will see Christ the coming King, clothed in majesty. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. You are Lord, you are Lord over heaven, over earth.
0: So I had, you know, the world will see. Christ the coming King clothe the majesty our redeemer and um or robed in majesty actually it was
1: and um it just felt like that you are Lord you are Lord over heaven over earth and he hangs
0: just felt like it didn't quite it was just a bit too much going on it was a bit too um you know sort of just not f- sitting right and, and so I, I thought but i want the desperation like you know christ is going to be coming soon and we need to sort of you know let the, let the church know and so i again worked on it and, and i said um so the course now is uh, um uh, still very new to me <laughs>
1: We must spread the word of his soon return to reclaim the world for his glory. Let the church bells ring. So I had let the
0: church bells ring because I wanted to sort of be like sound the alarm, let everyone know. And I took it to, you know, I took it to Tim and I said, mate, what do you think, let the church bells ring? And he said, actually, I don't know if that will kind of translate, you know. I mean, some people get church bells ring. But he said, is there a way to sort of expand that and make it a bit more accessible, you know, to, to the church? And I said, well, what about...
1: Let the church now sing of this coming King crowned with majesty i read.
0: And it just sort of clicked. It's like, let the church now sing of this coming king, crowned with majesty, our redeemer. And, you know, that whole process of those those words and lyrical writing, it took ages. And, it, you know, I, I literally would sort of record demos of it um, and just sort of, you know, listen to it, you know, while I was going for, you know, walks or, you know, walking to work or whatever, and just chewing on these lyrics just because they've never sat right. But then finally it clicked. And so... It's just an example of how long and and so how how you know much time and effort it takes to sort of, you know, wait to to, um to write a song. Does that make sense? Does that help? Does that any, you know, give an idea of sort of how long it takes? But yeah, so that's one example of um you know taking the time and evaluating your song. And then, ah, my last point I want to say, and we'll have a couple of questions. Um, so yeah, we need to have e- evaluate our songs. And again, like I was saying, I, I brought this t- song to Tim, and, and collaboration is such a great thing to do as well. You know, taking your songs to different people and saying, hey, what do you think of this line, or what do you think of this idea? Because actually, opening your songs up and, and giving some other people some um, sort of a, a, a place to say something is actually, it's very hard to do, but actually... When you're writing a song, it's so important that you, you sort of open yourself up and say, okay, you know, you hold it lightly and allow other people to sort of, people that you trust, I think is the other thing, that, you know, you have to trust the people that you allow to listen to your songs, but allow them to hear them and, and trust their, their sort of um, input to the song and work on it and, and take their, their sort of ideas into consideration when you're sort of crafting the final edit of your song. And so, you know, it's a, it's a very essential part of the process. So collaboration is important. Writing and and evaluating your songs at the end, just looking at it and making sure you know what you're saying is is very important. Uh, The poet T.S. Eliot said this, The progress of an artist is a continual self-sacrifice, a continual extinction of personality. And if we are to see creativity released in our churches, we must learn to work together, to champion each other's ideas, and to give each other space and permission to innovate. You know, there will be times when it goes horribly wrong, but unless we innovate, we stagnate. But, you know, we do dream of churches producing incredible new art for the glory of God. And, you know, finally, you know, my last thing is that, you know, all of this, all that we do the one important thing is that whatever we're creating, whatever we do, and the success that we have, you know, whatever happens, the, the, the platforms that God gives us, it's the most important thing, is that we we give the glory back to God. You know, it's all for Him in the first place. He's the one who gave it all to us. And so we need to give it back to Him. You know, um, in the composer, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, you know, at the end of, or, at, or sorry, on each page of his sort of writings, of his letters, he was, and, um, songs, He would write SDG, and you know, that stands for "Sole Dio Gloria, and it means to the glory of God alone, and for us, that just needs to be our motto today, to the glory of God alone, and if we do that, and if we put God at the front and in the center of all of our songs, and all of our art, and all of that stuff, He'll begin to release new creativity, and He'll begin to open up things, and, and begin to input stuff in us that we would never have imagined, and um, when we—and that's the great thing about you know writing and creating—is that when the good stuff happens, you know it's not yourself. I don't know about you, if you've written something, you think, "Gosh, there's no way that could have been me." That that is that 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 is that is God, you know, and that's the that's the great thing because He actually kind of keeps us humble by you know us allowing you know or acknowledging that, that that idea is from God. So we must keep Him first. So those are my thoughts, and I hope that sort of helps you in some way, inspires you um, to keep creating, to keep going for it. And um, yeah, so I've got a couple of minutes for some questions on this topic or anything. Does anyone have anything they quickly want to ask? Yeah, Yeah, actually, just for recording, I think they just want to have the microphone for everyone to hear. Is that all right?
2: Hello there. First of all, thank you. <laughs> um, basically, I've um, I've been blessed with an ability to write um, and obviously what you said, it's a lot to chew over and it's lots of great stuff which I'm sure mm. is going to help me. Um, like what you've just said, I've written so much which I thought it's not from me, it's from God. I've been um, doing three things at once and I've come out with something and so many people have said, oh that's fantastic, it's moved me, I've been blessed by that and And to me, it's felt like I'm making a cup of tea. So obviously, what you've said has kind of made me think, okay, well, maybe if I expand on that more, if I chew on that more, if I ferment on that more, what am I going to get then? And again, obviously, it's always turning it back to the glory of God. From the beginning, um, I have always been utterly burdened and um, entranced by music. I adore music, but I never learned anything because I had quite a sort of a poor background really growing up. And suddenly I've been thinking, before I even came here, I want to learn to play. I want to learn to play the piano. I want to learn to play the guitar um, and see what I can do because I can make things fit. If someone gives me anything, a subject, I can just put it together. I can produce something and make it fit. So Mm. what could I do if I had music? But I'm a little bit intimidated being 35 and thinking, can I do this? Can I pick up an instrument and learn it? How long is it going to take me? And that's a bit scary so what advice would you give me to kind of experiment in that way to give a bit more confidence really to do that
0: yeah so you're saying you're a writer but you're not really a musician and
2: no no i sing yeah you sing sing, but you don't play well i
0: think i think it's it's so important i mean either a you you sort of develop yeah play guitar i mean the great thing about guitar is that you can you know get get a few lessons and, and learn some chords and then you just you know cheat how i i mean I cheat is use a capo basically, and you've got four chords, you can move them around and and you know yeah, <laughs> so that that helps you and you can actually literally i mean guitar is with really the most easiest instrument to learn and and to sort of you know you know create with i'd say um but then you know piano's a great instrument as well i mean you know, but I think guitar like again there's only you can learn a bunch a handful of guitar chords and then you know be able to sort of write from that but then the other option is is to get someone who's musical that you trust and and allow them you know you show them your lyrics you show them if you have a melody idea and then you can start to sort of you know play around with that um it's interesting i i wrote with a, a brazilian uh, a songwriter who came over from brazil a few months ago and so obviously and she's not a musician and she's just a singer but she writes lyrics and she writes melodies and so she came with this sort of idea and she's and so she sang this 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 melody and i and i've never done this before but you know i was at the piano and so kind of figured out these sort of chords that worked over the melody but then together we started working on a chorus with with the piano cuz then that that sparked her you know with with having music cuz again i was just amazed that she could actually sing you know and just create this amazing songs out of just you know melodies, and so actually, yeah, it's, it's, there's a that's also a great way of writing is wi- with someone who's musical. So There's those both options. So. Thank you. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, anyone else? Yeah. Oh, go on here. Thanks. Hi. um hey man. I kind of I've written a couple of songs, but I don't know how I play guitar. I mm. don't know how to put the chords to them. Yeah. Like how to get the right pieces of music for the words. How do you so. How, how do you put the song together? Yeah. Well, I think, again, it just sort of takes practice and time of just, you know, playing around with chords, getting to know know your your chord structures and, and how all of them flow together. And then start to sort of, you know, sing a bit. You know, it maybe with writing and stuff, if you're having problems joining the two together, I'd say sort of start practicing just singing worship songs, you know, songs that you know and songs that you can kind of, get get sort of a gauge for, and then from there start looking at, you know, maybe putting some some melodies to it. That's usually how I start is, you know, with chords and a melody. And then I'll start to sort of put words together and start of, sort of crafting the lyrics. So start working on the melody so that it fits with the, you know, the chords that you're playing. And then worry about the words later, because actually that's, it's so important to kind of go away from your instrument and from, away from you know, your comfortable place and just sit down and look at the words you're writing. Does that make sense? Great. Cheers, man. Yes. Yeah, hi. 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 Hi.
3: Um, Obviously, creativity and creating art is, for many people, it's a very personal Mm. thing for them. And uh, when they're creating art or music for worship, it becomes even more of a personal thing for them. And uh, my question really is around those times where you have a team of people and and art is genuinely being created, but really it's not that good. (laughs) And you kind (laughs) of know that. Okay. Okay. And they don't seem to know that, right. if you understand what I mean, yes. because it's, uh, you know, the excuse is always, well, you know, it's 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 of God, therefore it's great, yeah. Or uh, you know, art's really subjective and all
0: this. Mm-hmm. How do you cope with that? Well, I think, you know, it's it, it, there is <laughs> there are going to be sometimes that sort of situation, and um, I think sort of the best criticism is constructive criticism to kind of keep encouraging them you know because again I mean a lot of a lot of the time there's there's sort of people who start out and it's just absolutely sort of you know you know can't sing in tune like for for a musician for example you know you um, you can't sing in tune or just learn guitar but just giving them that chance to sort of explore it and just letting them sort of do it sort of helps them but then sometimes yeah it's important to sort of to be honest, but I think you have to have a relationship with that person. You have to sort of, sort of be in a place where you know actually, you know, um, it's a safe place, and they won't be offended by that. It's such a personal thing, like you said, art and, and music and all that sort of stuff. So, it, it it has to be done in a way that is sort of is encouraging, yet honest. And so, because you want to encourage people, and and, and actually. If 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 it's me, I, sometimes I hate hear, hearing sort of, you know, criticism. That's just you know not very you know helpful. But actually, that really inspires me, you know. And and you know, someone said to me, um, "You're always good as your next song," you know. And and that sort of freaks me out. It's like I don't know. That's just, you know, I, I have to sort of write the and uh, you know. But it, actually, that that honesty, I would not kind of kind of encourage myself to keep writing and keep you know going for a, a better, more stronger song if I didn't have that sort of sort of, you know, constructive criticism, do you know what I mean? So I think it's just relationship, and then, you know, sort of, I always call it the um, the uh, c- criticism sort of sandwich, you kind of give a compliment, and then you sort of slightly put in the sort of negative thing, and then underneath you give a nice little compliment again, so you can do that, that might help, so, cool. Um, yeah, they have one down here.
2: I love the sound of the prophetic jam thing that you talked about. Um, if one of us was to have a go at the same kind of thing, what advice would you give?
0: Um, <clears throat> I would... Uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic thing to experiment with. I think what, what we did just out of experience was just we, we'd have a night once a month on like a Monday night and just invite, like I said, everybody. And, and But musician-wise, we'd sort of kind of select a group of people and it it was always changing but um you know we'd sort of get a, a drummer a bass player a guitarist keyboard and maybe a couple singers and and then just sort of let them loose you know and just see what happens because In in that place, you know, the people that you invite to that sort of thing, you know, are going to be people who don't really care that there's not many songs being sung. They just want to worship. They just want to, you know, dancers come and and people who express their worship in different ways. It's just such a great avenue. But then also we would really experiment, um, you know, with different things. So sometimes we'd take in two drummers or maybe a couple guitarists or, you know, a choir or, or, you know, just singing out or... um, maybe a few different keyboard players. So, it, you know, it's just a great way to experiment. But then just allowing that space and, and singing scriptures and singing, you know, if you get a, a melody and a sort of a line, just to repeat that and just see where it flows and just and don't worry about time because, you know, you're not, you don't, you're not constricted to it. So there's a couple of things that we would do, and, and um, it's, it's worked fantastic. So there's another question, yes, in the back.
2: It isn't a question actually, I just felt that I had to give a word of encouragement to the lady at the front who said that she thought she might be too old to learn an instrument at (laughs) 35 (laughs) because I started to learn the cello at 36 and it was a great blessing to me. And when I was 58 I started thinking singing in choirs isn't enough, I want to have lessons and actually start trying to sing solo. And I started having lessons, and I'm doing that now. And it scares the shit out of me, but <laughs> it's never too late, basically. So <laughs> I just wanted to say
0: that to encourage that lady. Uh, great. See, never, never too Thank you. Yes, um, there's feedback way back. Back. Thank you.
2: At what point in writing um, a song do you know that it's intended for congregational worship, or for personal kind of um, performance?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you, you know, I think sometimes you never know. Like that song I was telling you about, um, He Loves Us, you know, the writer of that didn't intend it to be a worship song. It was just sort of a song that he, he was singing out of a, a place of, you know, loss and pain. And, and I think the only way you'll know sometimes is, is if you try it. You know, if you, you try the song... At a church service, and just see what the response is. If, if people are starting to get it, then yeah, it's probably congregational. But then there's some songs that have a bit more of a personal sort of stance on it, and 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 some, it's sometimes you never know. Like I think there's some songs that you know you write that are quite personal, and you think, oh, there's no way that's just a bit too you know it's just too much my story but sometimes people can grab onto that and relate to that and so i think i think it's it's sort of a trial and error thing where you got to just sort of try it sometimes and and be bold and and be and be strong in that and and don't sort of you know fret about what people think and just just do the try it out and just see what the the you know the expression of people are and if they respond to it then great it's congregational because i think sometimes we can sort of put ourselves you know in a box and think oh this is not congregational when actually that church might be longing you know for that certain song or particular expression so don't be afraid i think to to try um but i again like sometimes there might be a song that you think oh that's just um you know, not congregational. There's a couple songs on my album where I think that that might not be congregational, but ex- at the same time it needs to be sung. It still needs to be expressed. And it will relate to somebody. You know, there will be somebody out, out there with the same sort of, you know, things that are going on within you that you need to, you know, help them. Cause, and that's, to me, one of the greatest things. You know, it's, it's amazing that people sing songs in the church and congregational setting. But if I, if someone says something, you know, that song specifically spoke to me, you know, what a great sort of you know privilege and honor it is to for that song to sort of you know speak to someone's life personally so there's great value in both and i think it's just a it's a sort of trial and error thing so i hope that that makes a bit of sense there's one yeah sorry she's had her hand up for ages sorry and then we'll come back you?
1: hey i have uh, two relational questions the first one is how hard do you find it Um, to get the balance between I and we in your worship lyrics. And then the second question is, have you got any um, stories that you can tell of corporate worship and how the sense of um, corporateness has really affected your worship?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the the first thing is... um, Hmm well i think the, the the example i can think of for for the second part of your question was um you know i think there's a at the time when i was leading worship and i i've just started leading a, a, an alpha group at church and and um and i i was leading worship on this course and, and i started to just you know these bunch of non-christians sort of singing these christian songs and at first i mean nobody would sing it was just complete silence everyone just sort of staring at you sort of just like oh my goodness what what is uh what is this guy on kind of thing and um but after a few weeks, you know I begin to see some people start singing the songs they start to find themselves sort of you know getting you know into the songs and enjoying them and there's one moment where I'll never forget and there was a guy in my group, his name was lee and and he was quite a sort of you know had a lot of questions about faith he just wasn't he was you know still to this day probably isn't hundred percent convinced but you know, he, he was desperate just to know and desperate to try. And so we did this, this Alpha Weekend, and and he was standing in the front row, and he's a real big guy. And 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 all of a sudden, uh, uh, during this song, you know, I, I was sort of leading worship, and I, I was just kind of watching. And all of a sudden, his hands sort of started to sort of go like this, open up, and just sort of kind of a bit higher and a bit higher. and And I just saw this, and there's just this moment of just sort of, connectivity of just wow you know the the power of worship and the power of music this this guy that has all these questions is is opening his hands and saying you know really he's saying god you know i allow you to sort of do whatever you want to do in my life and so that was definitely a first um you know a great sort of example and then the first part of the question again was can you yell it yeah the balance of ennui so i think the balance i mean to be honest there's always going to be that, that sort of balance that we need to have. There's always going to be, but I think there's, there is, you know, a place for songs that connect between myself and God and and between I and God. And we need those songs. And then, but also there's something about a corporate thing that says that we, we join together, we join and sing, you know, um, that sort of brings people together. And I think in, in our times of worship, it's, it's good to have a mixture, you know, and so sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's good to have all about Jesus and all about God, but then also we need those songs that allow us to sort of reflect, you know, and then that sort of personal response. And me personally, I don't really sort of try and, you know, outweigh the other. I don't try and sort of write a specific one that says we or, or I. I just, you know, again, just try and write what's coming out, and if it's I, then it's personal, and it's it's sort of my sort of expression. But if it's we, then you know it's it's for all of us. And and so I think it's 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 just sort of I think it's the important thing is to write whatever is just coming out of you, and um, whether it's we or I or us or who, when you know just just write from that honest place. Um, one more question? Yes.
2: Uh, it's two of us, okay? Okay. <laughs> Link to that. Um, yeah. When you're worship leading, do you think you should be closing your eyes at some points or do you think you should be always seeing what's happening in the congregation so you know the physical effects that God's bringing out? Um, And also linked to that song, Oh, How He Loves Us, do you think, say the lyric in that where it says heaven meets earth like with a big sloppy kiss, do you think you can go too far in a worship song and you're starting to really kind of over-personalise it
0: at all? yeah i think um you know i th- i think uh the first part of your question um'm trying to think i i i i don't know i think would it um i'm trying to think of how the best way to explain it so you were saying what are ex- you saying again? Yeah, I th- sorry, yeah. But I think it's, a lot of people always ask this sort of thing, you know, should we close our eyes, should we, you know, be looking? And and I think it's so important that, you know, we, we do look and see what, what God is doing. You know, Jesus said, I only see and do what I see my Father doing. And I think sometimes we feel as worship leaders and, and musicians that we, we need to sort of, be focused and, and and close our eyes and and be in tune with the spirit, which i we definitely need to be, but there's also that responsibility to lead the people and just to to look out and to see you know so I think you know there's times where you know you can close your eyes you're having a personal you know sort of time of worship, but to not get lost in that you know and sort of because then you kind of almost forget about everybody and you can be in your own place having this most amazing experience, but then everyone's also just sort of left thinking. Or what does this do for me, you know? So it's so important to be looking out in the crowd and, and and just... And I think, and also not to be looking to the actual physical, you know, sort of response of worship, of you know, hands raised or whatever. There's been times where I would look to that and i get real discouraged. But then someone said to me, you know, it's actually not about what, what the physical response is. You know, God can be actually just ministering to people with someone, you know, just standing there, but God's just working on their hearts. And they're working on, you know, the inside, you know. And, and that's something that we can forget. That actually, you know, it's great to see people just going for it in worship. But also to remember that if we don't see that response, God's still, you know, working. He's doing great things in people's hearts. So not to forget that. But definitely a balance. And then I think, you know, with that song, How He Loves Us, it's, it's, um, it, it is a controversial lyric because uh, there's a band, David Crowder band, who recorded the song and, and they, they over, sorry, they sort of rewrote that lyric. So it says, "So heaven meets earth like an overseen kiss, and my violent or my chest turns violently." And so he, they change it. They asked him for permission. Obviously, I think you know if you're going to record something, do ask permission if you want to change something. But, but it, it, it is, it is sort of always. It's been a bit of an iffy lyric for a lot of people. And personally, I think it's like, it's an honest expression, and I, I can really appreciate that. Again, that's real art being expressed, and and if if you don't really agree with it then you know then don't don't sing it but i think i think there's there is a place for that and and it's very it's it's a very sort of artistic way of expressing god's love you know for the earth and stuff you know just that image but but actually why not you know it's an expression of 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 god's love and 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 it's a it's beautiful imagery but but again it's it's a balanced thing but i'd love to see more expression of just Again, you know, if grace is a notion, then we're all sinking, you know. I'm bending beneath the weight of His wind and mercy. There's just, you know, and so out of all of that imagery, there's this one line that's a bit sort of iffy. I think, you know what, this, this is still saying something profound and, and to sing it and sing it with, with confidence and, and boldness. And um, so I, I think we, we do need to see more of that honest sort of expression, if that makes sense. So, wonderful. Well, we have reached the end. I hope this has been somewhat helpful. Thank you so much for coming. And um, yeah, keep creating, keep expressing your art in whatever way it is. Keep going for it. God bless.